Hello, you are listening to Audio Fanfic Podcast. Life Series, Part 2, by Tattooed Laura on AO3. Rating, General Audiences. Chapter 16. Innocently mowing the lawn, Scully looked up at Betty and waved as the older woman made her way quickly across the street. Seeing what she took as a frantic face and not a happy-to-see-you face, Scully cut the motor. Everything okay? Betty quickly passed her, taking Scully's arms as she did. You haven't watched the news, have you? Without question, Scully pulled herself from Betty's and tore up the front steps, banging through the screen door. Mom! Mom! Turn on the news! Maggie settled on the couch, scrambled for the remote, fumbling as she tried to find a local station. Then... The world shrank to the house, the living room, the television, and Scully's darting eyes taking in the coverage of the destruction of half the Hoover building, the adjacent structure, the street between, and what looked to be smoke choking the entire scene. Before she knew she was moving, she had her keys in hand, turning to Betty. Can you stay with mom? Before Betty could say yes, Dana, stop. Mom, I need to go find them. What if they're in that? House keys and car keys now dangling, their imprint into her palm, knuckles white with stress. I need to go find them. Trying to keep her daughter looking at her, maintaining eye contact. Dana, wait. It's almost five. They were coming home at five. They may be on their way already. If you go down there, you'll miss them. Please, give it a little while. Scully truly couldn't believe what she was hearing. How can you be so calm? How can you tell me to sit there when you've got five kids possibly buried under the rubble? With a deep breath, I am so scared right now. I can barely breathe from what the news is saying. You can't get anywhere near there. And if you miss them, Fox will get here and then go try to find you. And it'll be even more of a nightmare. Pulling out her mother voice, which she only used maybe three times in Scully's lifetime. Fox has them. Now, sit down. Fighting logic with emotion, she kept her keys in hand and parked herself by the door instead, able to see the news coverage while surveying the street. Attempting to dial Mulder every minute, the busy signal drove her anxiety through the roof, her blood pressure going with it. She made it 43 minutes until she slammed her hand against the wall by the door. God damn it, where are they? Maggie was beside herself as well, as the news became bleaker, bodies beginning to be pulled from the wreckage and she jumped when Scully banged the wall. Dana, Mom, I can't just sit here and wait anymore. You have to. They will be home, so will you please just be quiet? Reprimand was not something she usually received from her mother, and it got her to stay another six minutes until the phone rang in her hand, nearly dropping it in surprise. She listened through the crackling reception to hear someone faintly telling her Mulder was on his way home. She had no idea who it was, and the caller ID wasn't showing up, but she heard clear enough that Mulder was coming home. She slumped against the wall, face automatically aimed to the street, as she answered her mother's barely heard. Was that Fox? No, but it was someone telling me they're coming home. Maybe it was Skinner, maybe it was Frohickey. I have no idea, but they said he was coming home. She stopped talking then, stopped listening to the horror on the television pinpoint focus aimed on the street before her. It took another 23 minutes, but suddenly there was a van pulling in the driveway. 
Scully out the door like a shot, jumping down the steps and pulling open the doors, catching distraught children in hugs as they somberly climbed from the vehicle. And then Mulder emerged, a disheveled, smoke-stained bundle of nervous panic. And then he saw her. He would have pulled her to a hug, but her hands were on his cheeks, pulling him in for a kiss first. A crushing, slobbering mess of a kiss that made his knees weak and the day catch up to them. Skinner witnessed the embrace and breathed a little easier for a moment. He'd gotten Mulder back to her in one piece. Mulder and five kids. Dropping his head to the back of the seat, watching and knowing this could possibly be the last happy thing that would happen to him for weeks. Debating whether he could slip away unnoticed. Scully leaned through the open door and planted a kiss on his cheek. Come inside, sir. Have some water. Reality yet again. I can't. I need to get the van back to Frohickey, then go back to the site. Sympathizing, she settled her hand heavy on his shoulder. You need five minutes, Walter. Come inside, please. Show my mother you're okay. They set up the rest of the night, Mulder holding Betsy, Scully with Toby, the other three piled between Skinner and Maggie. It had been Sam who convinced Walter to stay, the ten-year-old's fingers curling into the towering man's hand, using Betsy's moniker for him. Don't go back, Mr. Skimmer, please. And he didn't. Not until hours later, after Maggie was finally in bed and all the kids but Sam were restlessly surveying dreamland, nightmares hovering, waiting at the edges, eyes closed, pupils roaming. He'd left them, curled in various size balls, Betsy on Mulder's lap and Toby burrowing into Mulder's side, Jack and Hannah at the foot of the sofa bed while Sam and Scully walked him to the door. An hour later, Sam had settled between Mulder and Scully, watching wide-eyed the television and its circle of speculation and blame. When were Mom and Dad going to call again? They'd gotten through, via the cruise company, to let the beyond-terrified parents know that all their children were well and accounted for, safe and sound. Not able to talk long, all at least got to hear an I love you from their parents before they were able to fall to a half-day's slumber. Sam had been their holdout, the one who, even after Walter finally slipped out the front door and the lights were off, he managed to keep his eyes open. Tomorrow, when they get on land, they'll be able to talk again. Not for long, but probably a little longer than this time. He didn't seem to take much comfort in that. Will Mr. Skimmer be okay? Scully answered his question four times since the man left, but patiently answering a fifth. He'll be fine. He's going home to sleep, and then he'll go to work in the morning. They need him there, but he'll be careful. He promised, remember? Sam had made him swear to be safe, and then Solmenity Skinner had complied, hugging the boy as he told him, with all the conviction he could muster, that he would indeed promise to watch out for himself. Sam let go of him then, watching out the front door, until Frohickey's van disappeared into the night, and Scully scooted him from the tile towards the bed, locking the door after. I know. But you're going to worry anyways. Nodding, Sam slid down the back of the couch, settling on a pillow. Can we turn that off now? Mulder switched the television off, dropping the room into a veil of darkness. A darkness that wasn't quite as comforting today as it had been yesterday. Sam, however, didn't seem to mind. Are you guys sleeping out here tonight? Knowing he needed to talk to Scully alone, Mulder rubbed the boy's upper back for a moment. We will, but I need to go talk to your Aunt Dana in the kitchen for a few minutes, 
Is that all right? Sam complied finally with a sleepy nod. Just come back, though. After rearranging everyone, tucking in, distributing covers, straightening necks, returning stray stuffed animals to owners, they slipped from the room, waiting until they were still within earshot, but out of the view of the room. Then Mulder grabbed Scully, crushing her to his chest, allowing her to mutter only half an incomprehensible syllable. I'm not letting you go for at least five minutes, so shut it and hug me, please. She didn't argue, wrapping arms around waist and holding on tight. Five minutes turned into eight, before, by some mutually agreed upon but totally unconscious decision, they slowly pulled apart, lips taking over where hugging limbs gave way. Finally, Mulder's hand wove through her hair, thumb against cheek in a gesture that should have seemed trite, but warmed him against the cold inhabiting his marrow since 4.38 that afternoon. I love you. With a stubborn set of tears hanging on her lower lashes, she nuzzled his hand, her own occupied by gripping the bare skin of his sides under his shirt. I don't ever want to be that scared again. I'll do my best to steer clear of scary things from now on. Going back in for another marathon hug. I love you too. They didn't talk of motives or plans, present circumstances and future speculations, but stood in quiet, thoughts going no further than five safe children sleeping in the next room, until the softest sound of whimpering reached their ears, and Scully sighed. Mulder dropped one last kiss to the top of her head. I'd hoped they'd be able to sleep. Go on in and see who it is. I need some water, and I'll go check on Maggie. Then I'll be back, okay? Stopping in the kitchen door, she turned back to see Mulder, reaching the cupboard for a glass. Must hair, wide back, whirled weighted shoulders, bare feet, cut off sweats. She tilted her head in a moment of life-affirming understanding. Mulder? He glanced back at her, looking warily adorable, with shadowed eyes and a half-smile on his lips. Yeah? Will you marry me someday? Remaining stationary, glass now in hand, he didn't hesitate for a moment. Of course. Will you marry me back? Fingers on the doorframe, foot unconsciously rolling back and forth on toes, much like a third grader about to tell her favorite boy she liked him. Scully smiled with a radiant subtlety that could have melted the sun. I will. And with that, she rotated, head to comfort nightmares while Mulder moved to check on his eventual mother-in-law, whispering to himself enchanted intervals. Breathe. Chapter 17. Elephant Jokes. Maggie was asleep and Mulder peeked in, so he headed to the front of the house, still confused whether he was in actual reality or suffering a delusion of epic concern. The moment he entered the living room, however, it ceased to matter. Given Scully was hushing Hannah, cradling her little face with one palm while squeezing her tightly in a hug with the other. The rest of the littles thankfully slumbered on, while Mulder motioned to pick up Hannah, whispering, Want me to take her? Scully shook her head. I'm okay. Crouching in front of the small girl, he began rubbing his hand around her ankle, massaging the tiny foot absently. I'm sorry, Hannah. This got her attention and sniffling. She looked at her uncle, Muddler. Why? Because I could have taken you to the beach. Would we have taken Mr. Skimmer? Sudden visions of Skinner in a bathing suit made him nearly smile. No, 
we probably wouldn't have taken Mr. Skimmer. Then I'm glad we went to your work. I like Mr. Skimmer. Amazed, Hannah seemed to bounce back from her nightmare. Mulder gave her foot a final squeeze, then, Want to try to go back to sleep? Hannah shook her head into Scully's chest, nestling her stand-in mother. Not yet. So he settled in, cross-legged on the floor at Scully's feet. Then would you like to hear an elephant joke? Hannah nodded, her thumb creeping very slowly towards her mouth, her stuffed koala clutched a little tighter. Knowing Scully saw this too, he whispered, How can you tell if an elephant has been in the refrigerator? Hannah shook her head. How? There are footprints in the pizza. This elicited a muscle twitch near her mouth, indicating a hidden smile somewhere. So he continued. What do elephants smell like after taking a bath? Hannah shrugged, but looked like she wanted an answer. So Mulder complied. Wet elephant. The smile emerged, her tear-damp cheeks drying. Tell me another. Well, shit, he only had a few in his repertoire. Um, what time is it when an elephant sits on your sofa? Before either could answer, Jake piped in quietly. Time to get a new sofa. Scully looked at the lump of boy she called nephew. Did you have a bad dream, or were we too loud? Jack rolled over carefully, shadowed by the arm of the couch, and choosing not to answer. What did the banana say to the elephant? This time it was Scully. No idea. What did the banana say to the elephant? I don't know. Bananas can't talk. Mulder groaned. That was terrible. Sam's voice drifted over. What do you call an elephant in a phone booth? Hannah knew this one. Stuck. Scully kissed the top of her head. Good one, Han. Do you know any more? Nodding, she quietly asked them. Why can't elephants go to the beach? Mulder knew but didn't answer. Why? Because they can't keep their trunks up. Toby woke and crawled up against Sam. Is it time to get up? Reaching across children, Scully stroked his head. No, Toby. It's very late, but Hannah had a dream and we're telling elephant jokes. Do you know any? What did the dog say to the elephant? When no one answered, the four-year-old smiled, a small-toothed grin. Woof. This went on for another ten minutes, elephant jokes turning into other amusements until one by one, they drifted back to sleep. Mulder scooping Hannah and tucking her in beside Toby, before he motioned for Scully to follow him to the kitchen yet again. Once there, keeping the lights off, pressed by darkness, and the soft glow of blue nightlight, he pulled her close. I still wish I'd taken them to the beach instead. Stop. There's no earthly way you could have known what would happen, so if I hear another word about that come out of your mouth, I'll have to shut you up any way I can. Guilt that would never be alleviated temporarily moved aside to make way for Mulder being Mulder. Gonna kiss me or hit me? Mouth on his with warm, soft affirmation of existence. She let go of him only after she discovered her head spinning from lack of oxygen. Dropping flat-footed once again, she came level with his upper chest and speaking into it, she hugged him tightly. I just realized I kissed you in front of Skinner. I hope you realize I'm going to keep kissing you in front of him, so whatever. She shook her head, his shirt moving under her cheek. Whatever is going to make him look at us funny from now on. Please, he's been looking at us funny for years. But now we get to have sex and get married, so again, whatever. 
Are we talking about that now? Have you suddenly changed your mind? Absolutely not. Neither have I, so we're good to bring it up over breakfast, or something tomorrow, or next week, or next month. Right now, I'm just going to enjoy you as best I can in a house full of scullies. They stood, two in one shadow, for a quiet time until finally, I'm going to have to work. They're going to need all hands on deck in the morgue. Pressing his lips to the crown of her head, can we talk about that tomorrow too? Suddenly she pulled away, realizing his hands were shaking against her back. Mulder? Mulder dropped into an available kitchen chair, head down. Is it suddenly cold in here? No. Darting quietly back to the living room, she cursely glanced the sleeping kids, then grabbed a spare throw from the floor, jogging back to Mulder, putting it over his shoulders, with concern clouding her speech and her hands on his chest, holding the blanket tight. What are you thinking about? Tears ran down his cheeks as he looked up at her. I nearly killed five kids today. Without concern, she climbed up into his lap, bare feet hooked on the rungs of the chair, thigh against thigh, arms snaked immediately around his head as she pulled him to her. No, no, Mulder, you didn't. You did everything right. You got them home. You left with five people and came home with six. That's an outstanding number. And you did everything right. But a bomb went off and people died and I had to watch five kids follow Skinner through smoke and chaos and police and fire and a hellish moment in time that's going to scar them for life or longer. Shifting away from her, he sobbed a single breath. Sam called me Mulder. The world changed and he grew up and he called me Mulder. And what if I had... Faltering now, eyes streaming. What if I had lost one of them? I could never have lived with myself if I would lost one. Thumbs tracing cheekbones, tears running over knuckles. Scully held his head, forcing eye contact. But you didn't. You brought them all home. Home, Mulder. You brought them home. Safe and perfect. She kept repeating home, waiting for it to sink in until he and the kids were okay. You came home to me, like you always will from now on. Home to our bed, our couch, our eventual rattly dryer, and our oft-working hot water tank. Home to where you have seven nieces and nephews and a Maggie who adores you, and a Scully who trusts you with all of them without question. Seeing him attempt to focus. Are you with me? Are you hearing me? Nodding under her palms. Yeah, yes. I came home with them. I came home to you. I'll always come home to you. She kissed him hard, deep, pressing herself against him, wanting to crawl inside, soothe his pounding heart, quiet his mind. Stopping just before she dragged him out to the hammock, she stayed in his arms, chest to chest, nose and neck, cotton to cotton, safe in their world. If you like this story and would like to contribute, you can do so by going to our Patreon page at www.patreon.com forward slash audio fanfic pod. As a patron, you are granted early access to one new story of your choosing per month. Thank you for listening. And remember, the stories are out there.